It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. DeAndre Hopkins is on the market. We're going to have the obligatory, does DeAndre Hopkins have a spot on the Vikings conversation? <laughs> Hi, this is Ari Passan from Pro Football Network. I've been called up from the DL to <laughs> uh, to, to perform, uh, I think, some last-minute miracles to get this podcast across the line. Uh, that and all of the bad ideas in this podcast were Sam's. All the good ones were mine. It's a surprise Arif appearance on a Tuesday. Let's get into it on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. It's a Tuesday on the Minnesota Football Party. We were off on Monday, so this is the start of our week here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Thanks so much for watching today. Normally, it's a Luke Inman production on Tuesdays. He's off today. Arif Hassan sitting in for him. He's at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter, and he writes for Pro Football Network. You can find me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, and also find me on the Ron Johnson Show and the Minnesota Sports Rankum Show here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Today, uh, OTA number two for the Minnesota Vikings. They will be on the practice field. I'll be out there later providing some reports. We will preview that. We will discuss the DeAndre Hopkins cut and where he might land. Could he be wearing purple? Is that even a – we'll put a percentage chance to it. How about that, Arif? We will, that we sounds will good. You know I love percentages. Odds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we'll also have a little bit of a Kirk Cousins conversation. What is the outlook moving forward at the quarterback position for the Minnesota Vikings? When in doubt, you talk about the QB. Um, but Arif, I uh, hope you had a good long weekend and, uh, I appreciate you stepping in here last second coming from the bullpen. That's very clutch of you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. You didn't point out that my baseball analogy was probably not great. I wasn't injured before and I didn't really think about that, but that's fine. I'm not a baseball guy. You did I'm wearing a you, baseball tee. I think, but. um, you used well, first of all, you're frozen now. Oh, you're back. Perfect. Um, you used the acronym DL which is an antiquated acronym. They actually went to IL a couple of years ago. They went to injured list. Oh, why did they, now I need to know, why did they change? Um, So I don't know this for a fact. I I do, I wonder if the word disabled though was taboo in some way. Like if they felt like. That's what the D stands for? Yeah. In this context, it actually makes a lot of very specific mechanistic sense, but I guess I I understand why they changed it. I will leave that to Dan Hayes and Aaron Gleeman and, yeah, the baseball guys. Uh, yeah. no, we talk football on on this here show. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is available. DeAndre Hopkins it's is very accurate. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is very good. 
Um, he has 11,000 career yards, 71 career touchdowns. And if you look at like over time, like receptions since 2018 or something like that, like DeAndre Hopkins is, I think, number one. He's very, very good, very consistent over time. Uh, he's been released by the Arizona Cardinals at the age of 30. Um, the Vikings do have the, this this kind of juicy cap space sitting out there, which we have assumed is is reserved for extensions um, and maybe someone like Leonard Floyd. But what percentage chance would you say the Vikings would move on DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, um, I, I would say probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they reached out. Like if, if we count that as a move, I think that the odds are high. But in terms of any realistic chance that they can add him to the roster, I'd say it's pretty low. Uh, I think that the things to kind of keep in mind here are kind of what teams were interested, why they decided not to trade for him, right? Because, you know, the trade was on the table regardless. Uh, and and what his expectations are in free agency and what we can kind of compare him to. So first, uh, I want to underscore like DeAndre Hopkins is extremely good. I think people know that, but it's not as if he's at a point where his age is genuinely a huge concern. I mean, he's no longer the best receiver in the NFL. So in that sense, you know, his age has, has played a role. But in terms of him being a high level receiver, it's still there. And to kind of add on to that statistical uh, wonder that he is. I mean, he actually has more receptions than anybody in NFL history through age 30. Um, I just like retweeted it. I didn't realize that wow. until like this morning. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy, right? Um, and then number two is like Larry Fitzgerald. So nice run of receivers they've had in Arizona. It must be a great organization there in Arizona. That I, I, running. I, I've heard nothing but good things about <laughs> how they treat players. But, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the the contract that he had, I think his, his average remaining was something like $14 million. And neither the Chiefs nor the Bills, who were the most interested in him, wanted to take that on. Right. So I think that tells you something right there. Right. That um, the teams that he had kind of indicated he was most interested in with his statements, like saying, hey, I don't go to a team that want, that's going to win a championship. I'm primarily concerned about, you know, positioning myself for a ring. Those teams don't have the capacity to take them on at a contract that makes sense. There's also kind of some word that the problem, because obviously Kansas City and Buffalo both tried to negotiate a new contract with them. I mean, that's just part of the trade negotiation is that you reject the player. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the problem, I think according to Florio, um, and I know Jeremy Fowler mentioned this as well already at ESPN, was that Odell Beckham's contract with the Baltimore Ravens, like $14, 15000000 million, um, threw a wrench in, in the works. So he apparently wants to be paid more than that, maybe even closer to 20. I don't think a team is going to do that, right? If a team was going to do that, they wouldn't trade for him. Um, but I do think that that should set our expectations in terms of what the Vikings can hope to get out of it. Now, there is a theoretical contract structure that, that would work for them, right? If they put together a two-year offer with three years void, right, you could fit it because the Vikings have about $10 million in cap space after the top 51 rule, about, right? Um and 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 a million of that won't count, right? Because the top fifty-one rule bumps the the nine hundred sixty thousand dollars Shelton Day contract off off the accounting um, for the offseason. So it, it's basically a million dollars off of a player that you're going to get uh, until the um, until the actual season starts. Um, you could construct a theoretical structure where he earns like about fifteen million dollars a year. His cap hit in year one is something like six uh, or maybe five. Uh, and then and we you- haven't introduced Dalvin Dalvin savings yet. Right. right. And so that's another seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, again, you want to be careful because a lot of that's going to be, like you said, used for extensions. Anything that's not used for extensions will be used for rollover, which will be used for extensions, right? Uh, and so, um, and, and obviously, they, they're going to want to keep five around just because, like during the season, you might want to trade for TJ Hawkinson or you might have to sign some street free agents. You want to have the free agent, you want to have the, the cap space available to you. And you can't just rely on, you know, whoever's going to go on IR to free up the cap space, given the nature of those contracts. So uh, that that's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, you'd want to keep around 5 million. If you've got 7 million coming down the pipe um, with, uh, I guess it's both down the pipe and down the pike. If you look it up, both are accurate now, but um, it, it, <laughs> language changes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is possible, right. To construct, but then you, you bring up the problem that in about 2025, you're going to have to take on a lot of dead cap space to construct that contract. And so, if the Vikings are comfortable with that, and if they don't have any moves coming up that's going to complicate their 2025 cap space, whether that involves Justin Jefferson or Daniel Hunter or a quarterback, um, then you've got you know that room, but you're only going to get probably two, three years out of this guy. Again, he's 30, right, or 31, um, and, uh, and there's not that much left. We saw Adam Thielen drop off pretty significantly after hitting 31. Not that Thielen and Hopkins are kind of in the same category of receiver but it's kind of instructive to have like a local example um so that's like that's something to to think about um but yeah i mean i, I think he would make the team better no question that's not the controversy or the issue i think it would be awesome to see him and jefferson and addison line up and and force kj osborne to, to prove that he can that he can make the field right that would be dope um whether or not it's worth a significant 2025 cap hit whether or not it's worth uh, the restrictions on your ability to create extensions. Now, I don't know if it is, but if it happens, I would be excited. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins kind of looks at this as a one-year deal um, with a chance to hit free agency when teams have more planning capability and more more cap space. Because if you look at the teams that have you know space available right now, there's not a lot of you know Super Bowl contenders necessarily. Um, the Bears. I was about uh, to say how Panthers. how good would the Bears' offseason look if they finished it with a Hopkins? Oh signing? my goodness, cherry <laughs> on top. Um, and, and if the bears did it, then I think it'd be in their best interest to try to make that a long-term deal. Um, so then he can be part of the resurrection of the Chicago bears. Um, what if the lions got it? I mean, th this is, this is, and Hey, the Packers have cap space too, by the way, right? Yeah. Vikings should maybe be nervous about yeah. this <laughs> impending Vikings should agency. sign him to prevent the other NFC North to Exactly. Yeah, because three, yeah, all of your division foes are in the top six right now in cap space. Vikings will actually join them once the the Dalvin Cook move maybe that's, happens. That's so interesting. A couple so days from now, just, yeah. Um, it, it just feels like the NFC North is is not typically one where all four teams are flush with cash. 
like at least two of these teams are always up against the Vikings are of course always up against it. Right. Um, it feels like until very recently the Bears were pretty up against it, and then they cleared out like 70 million in cap space. Um, and and the Packers are always weird because they have to extend their own players, which sometimes costs a lot. So yeah, just like a very interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, liberating for the Packers too to to not have that quarterback contract bogging them down. Uh, so I'm, to speak. I'm sure they feel that way. I'm sure they've felt very, yeah, like having an MVP caliber quarterback. Oh, what a burden. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that DeAndre Hopkins falling somewhere, that could swing somebody's offseason. That could swing how a division well, race looks. Especially in the NFC. You know, because I mean, mm-hmm. it's maybe it's a tired talking point at this point, but like given how weak the passing games are in the NFC, it really feels like this could take a team over the top. I think to me, the the biggest like odds changer so I guess the team where he would make the biggest impact in that sense would probably be like the Dallas Cowboys, right? Um, everyone knows that that they've kind of wanted to add another receiver. It would kind of add on to like the, you know, they traded for Stephon Gilmore and Trevon Dix. So they've got, you know, some aging vets that are going to supercharge an already good unit, right? Dak Prescott is, you know, we've been having, like, I've seen this conversation on the timeline for about like the past week, ever since the Kirk Cousins Culpepper argument erupted. You know, people are like, well, you know, Kirk Cousins is like second in the NFC. It's like, well, I don't know. What about Dak Prescott? And so that question has been really interesting because Prescott um, was putting up just monstrously good numbers a few years ago, but hasn't put them up since. Uh, and last year, um, he, he's in this situation where he throws more interceptions than he's ever done before. But there's a really good argument to be made that he through more interceptions than one would expect based off of his interceptable pass rate, even though he's always been an aggressive passer. Now, who does a great job dealing with tight window throws that Dak Prescott likes to throw? Who, I mean, they need an outside player. C.D. Lamb is great on the inside and pretty good on the outside. Having an outside receiver. I mean, I think that that's probably the biggest impact place that he could go. I don't know if the Cowboys have cast space. You're probably looking at it right now. But that would be, that would be, probably you know the the biggest area where you'd see a jump in their odds uh as potential super bowl contenders from the nfc interesting yeah they've got 7.9 effective cap space right now and i don't know if they have mechanisms to clear some of that up they probably do if they could uh restructure a guy and and open that up and jerry jones that is a very jerry jonesian move to make trade for brandon cooks and then sign deandre hopkins Woo. yeah um let me put you on the spot we talked about this on Friday's roundtable, and you might not have it just at your disposal right away, or maybe you do because you're a Reef Hassan, but we were discussing wide receiver trios currently in the NFL and where the Vikings trio of Osborne, Addison, and Jefferson ranks. And we actually had a pretty wide range of, of thoughts on that. Luke Inman was very bullish. Like Luke Inman thought they were a top five wide receiver trio, and I was dubious whether they were even in the top 10. Um, just top of head. Do you think the Vikings as presently constructed have a top 10 trio and it gets complicated when you're waiting, maybe the best in the NFL as your number one. So right so now, yeah, all yeah, that, that into account that really complicates things. So off the top mm-hmm. of my head, immediately the, the Bengals and the Seahawks come to mind as like almost certainly better in terms of trios, yeah. right? So there's no question about that. Um, after that, obviously, you know, if the Cowboys signed DeAndre Hopkins, that would change things, but you know, what do you do with a team like the Eagles, whose duo is probably better than the Vikings duo, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out who's the Eagles' third receiver. Um, at the moment, I don't know, right? Um, and so 
Um, yeah. That's kind of a question. I would have said the Raiders had they not traded Darren Waller and also this weird situation with Devontae Adams vis-a-vis Jimmy Garoppolo's health. I don't know. But, you know, if it was like, you know, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, I would probably take that group above the the Vikings group. Um, man, after that, it's tough, right? There's a bunch of great duos right now and a bunch of great, um, there's a lot of great potential out there, right? The Saints have a lot of potential to have a really good trio if Michael Thomas is healthy and obviously Olave plays at the level that he was playing at. There's a lot of potential for the Washington Commanders with Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin and what they've been doing at receiver. Um, I think you probably could throw the Buccaneers out. Um, it's just not the same. Uh, the Jets, now that they've traded away Elijah Moore um, and have signed uh, Alan Lazard, I think they're more of a duo than a trio. The Dolphins are more of a duo than a trio. Man, Cedric, is... Cedric Wilson would be their three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, you can't really trust that. Um, I, I also totally forgot about Jacoby Myers with the Raiders. Um, so if they keep Hunter Renfro, I'd, probably I'd take them above the Vikings, but not by a ton, right? I think that that one's uh, pretty close. Um, man, man, this one's, yeah. Uh, the Chargers, if they're healthy, if they're healthy, you know, the, the Chargers trio is probably better too. So it's it's probably close, but I think that having a, a top trio is, it sounds better because it's just not something that a lot of teams have anymore. You get the Chargers, you've got the Seahawks, you've got the Bengals. And then after that, um, it, it's kind of tough to figure out. I mean, the Bills not too long ago, you know, when we were hired on Gabe Davis, right? You know, somebody that you'd want right. to maybe put in the conversation or, you know, uh, the Raiders, again, just it depends on what they want to do with Hunter Renfro and whether Devontae Adams is like comfortable with being there. Right. Um, but yeah, that one's that one. That one may be their fringe top five, but it's not as impressive as that sounds. If That makes sense. Yeah, I think that the Vikings trio is so so based on potential that I, I've just got a hard time buying in on them as much as I would even with maybe a, a, a less top-heavy but deeper trio like Denver's, like Sutton, Judy, and Patrick. Those guys have all had 800-yard seasons before. Um, yeah, it's tough because when, when you say trio, you're presupposing, right, that that um, the third receiver is going to matter in your calculation. And so, like mm-hmm. you said, how you downweight having the best receiver in the league against the group. Cause like, I, I think if you ask somebody outright, would you rather have Denver's group of three or the Vikings group of three, you say the Vikings, right? Right. But, but like when you're discussing trios, that's, that's almost not even how you look at it. Right. It's, it's how you evaluate how much that like third receiver contributes. And so it is like kind of just like a weird thing to have to fully wrap your head around. Uh, in terms of like figuring it out. And what's interesting is that, you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, hey, the Vikings trio has the potential to be really good. If Osborne, you know, continues to take another step, if Addison is the first round receiver we think he is, if, if that's how you want to talk about it, the Ravens trio for like the first time in a long time <laughs> has potential, right? In the same way the Vikings does, right? If Odell Beckham returns to form, right? If Zay Flowers is the first round receiver people think he is, if Rashad Bateman, you know, kind of figures it out, I don't know, right? Like it's it's tough because if if we're talking about trios and we're incorporating potential, it is really difficult to 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 throw out some of these teams. Yeah, I just think if a national person or someone from a different market looked on paper at the Vikings compared to other teams, I think a lot of people would just cast off Osborne. They would say, "Yes, that's a wide receiver three. He's never proven anything. He's never had more than is it five hundred yards or six hundred yards um, in his career." Right. 
so I, I can see where there'd be skepticism there. All that to say, if the Vikings made a move for Hopkins, and that would be a bold move, and I'm not sure that it's aligned with kind of where their time horizon is, right, but if yeah. they made that move for a one-year kind of rental deal, I think they're right behind Cincinnati. I, I think that their trio would be number two. You could make an I, argument I for number one in the league. I would still say probably three behind the Seahawks. Um, I mean, like Tyler Lockett is criminally underrated, I think. Yeah. Just generally but their speaking. three is a rookie, right? You're assuming uh, JSN? Yeah. I mean, just like the oh. Vikings, right? Okay. I personally, I mean, I prefer JSN over Addison, right? So I think that that's part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I prefer Jefferson over Lockett, but I would take both Lockett and, and DK over um, over Osborne. And then if we're including mm-hmm. Hopkins, right, I think that um, I, I would say that I would like last year's Lockett it was probably better than last year's Hopkins, despite the history of play that both have had that, you know, obviously the career that you would do, no question would take Hopkins. Last year, I think that Lockett was more useful to his team than Hopkins was. And I openly acknowledge that, you know, the way that the passing game played out for Arizona was night and day different when Hopkins wasn't available, that they actually only had a passing game once Hopkins was there. Um, but Lockett is that good. Um, and so it's kind of this this kind of middle area is a little bit better than what the Vikings top uh, would be. Um, you just have more receivers that you'd be comfortable putting in your top 10, top 15. So that's, that's that. And then you have to figure out whether or not, like what you consider the chargers to be, whether or not Keenan Allen still has it, whether or not, you know, Mike Williams is reliable enough. Right. And then you've got the Quentin Johnson thing with them. So, um, I would, I would probably put the Vikings ahead of the chargers in that scenario, just because again, if I'm waiting for recency, I'd rather take, you know, Hopkins over that group, but it is entirely possible that even with Hopkins, that they're behind that top three, it's just, it's just funny because, that's already kind of where we were putting them anyway. <laughs> um, it's just that the Cincinnati is just so good as a, as a three receiver spot. You can't really yeah. dislodge them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that uh, I, I don't know if we ever actually nailed down a number. Give me a percentage chance. The Vikings move on this. Move on. This isn't make an offer. Move on. This is add them to the roster. They add them to the roster. 2%. Okay. If that's the over under, yeah, I'm gonna go under. I th- I think it's super duper long shot. All right, that'd be fair. Yeah, yeah. Good discussion though. Mm-hmm. I mean, worthwhile. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins, a uh, polarizing topic among amongst uh, Vikings fans. After I remind folks that we are brought to you by Built Bar. Built is nutritious and delicious. It's made with 100% real dark chocolate. It tastes amazing, and yet it's still healthy for you. It's got 17 grams of protein, gives your body some good fuel with those amazing macros, only four grams of sugar, so it's not weighing you down, making you sleepy. Uh, It's not unhealthy for you. These are the best-tasting protein bars in the world, and they are so nutritious. You can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. Go to the pharmacy section, pick up a four-bar box or a 13-bar box, get the puffs, get the normal bars. You can get flavors like peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, or brownie batter. That's Walmart, Sam's Club, or the specialty flavors also available at Built.com. Have them shipped right to your door. Built Bar, stock up this summer. You can thank me later. All right, Arif. Let's dive headlong into Kirk Cousins. He is the quarterback on this roster, and uh, under contract next year, 
Jaron Hall. Is Nick Mullins under contract now? I don't think I don't he, he signed a multi-year deal, but let me check on that. Point is, Nick Mullins is not your quarterback next year. Uh, he is under contract, by the way. Okay, sure. Jaron Hall is unlikely to be your quarterback week one next year. So what are the options? What are the options facing this Vikings team with an expiring Cousins deal? Kirk Cousins, to me, in my mind, he feels like somebody that if he hit free agency, he would not necessarily value going to the highest bidder. And he and I believe he didn't the last time he hit free agency. That's correct. I believe he took less. He did to play yeah. for the Vikings. My gut tells me that if the Vikings are in a pickle in free agency, I think they believe that they can still sign Kirk Cousins back if he's on the open market. I think that that is a possibility for them. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that they need to have something figured out before the end of the year? Uh, they would. I think that Cousins is still savvy enough to negotiate teams against each other, right? Like I, it's mm-hmm. the, and, and actually when he shot the, it sounded like it was going to be like a documentary. Remember when he initially signed like in 2018 it, and, yep. and there was like a documentary series that he shot um, and it made it seem like there was going to be multiple episodes. But as far as I could tell, there was one episode. <laughs> the, the climactic moment of that, of that show was like, just such a calm phone call. Yeah. And he puts the phone down and he's like, well, we, we got what we wanted, man. Th- th- this team's going to have a great uh, fight song skull Vikings. And he like remind, he told his wife about the Vikings fight song. It was, it was such a, what a, what a, what a gift for visual language. Um, just yeah. a, just an art, uh, artsy filmmaker, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, in that documentary series, he does, negotiate he does leverage the jets against the vikings but he ends up taking the deal uh that has more guaranteed and he ends up going to this team situation that i think he prefers uh from yeah i mean i don't think he said that specifically but i think that that played a role um i i think again he's going to seek out a fully guaranteed contract it's going to limit the numbers of his contract and free agency especially now at this age um but I, I think that he will still leverage teams against each other so the vikings would end up paying more so the um, the Access Vikings uh, podcast had intimated that the Cousins team had offered a $40 million extension, fully guaranteed, of course. How else would it go? Um, and, uh, and that number, to me, struck me as actually a little bit generous on Cousins' side, and the team still said no. Um, so the reasons that they would say no and essentially end negotiations um, before free agency likely means that they thought that there was a possibility right, that they could draft a guy, you know, in the first three rounds, not like, you know, Jaron Hall, right? Um, And now that the draft has passed and they have not drafted a guy in the first three rounds, they don't have a quarterback that they consider to be a potential quarterback of the future in any realistic sense. Of course, Jaron Hall could surprise them, but it would be a surprise. Um, Now that that's happened, they may reopen negotiations. I I think it's kind of worth discussing, even though we talk about a Cousins extension all the time and what they're going to do with him. Because the free agency occurs before the draft. Are the Vikings going to enter the draft with no quarterback if they pick in the middle of the draft, right? If they pick late, in the, if they go to the playoffs, right? So um, it, and it, it's entirely possible they go to the playoffs. I don't think that's outside of the, given what the NFC North looks like, right? Um, so if they pick middle to late draft, which I think is the most likely scenario, are they going to enter free agency without a quarterback and let Kirk Cousins kind of dictate what that market looks like for him? Um 
Maybe, uh, but I don't think that $40 million deal is on the table for them anymore, right? I think that, you know, if they reopen negotiations, Kirk Cousins and his team are just going to be like, so you wanted us a little bit more than that, huh? Well, the price has got up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. You know, it's the situation has changed. Your options have mm-hmm. closed down, and so the price goes up. Um, so I, I think that they would prefer to get that done before free agency because, um, and again, I think that they prefer a short-term deal, right? But I, I think that heading into next year's draft, which again will be replete with quarterbacks if expectations, you know, are are, are going to be met, right? Um, I, this this might be another four quarterback draft, right? I mean, a lot of people have been talking about like Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top. But there's other quarterbacks that might slip into the first round. Some unknown, like an Anthony Richardson, could make it into the first round. Um, un, like relative unknown, unknown to casual college fans like me. Um, but like uh, you know, it, it's entirely possible it's a four quarterback draft. And if it's a four quarterback draft, you know, they might enter free agency thinking we got to have a short term deal because we're going to try at a quarterback again. But if it's not, if it's just Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top, right? It might have to be a longer term deal. So I, I think that if they, if we hear reports that they've reentered negotiations with Cousins, that is an indication that they clearly thought that they could have a shot at a quarterback in the draft, right? It would confirm the rumors and reports that the Vikings were trying to trade up for a quarterback. I confirm in like a vague, indirect sense, right? Not in the reporting version of confirmed, but in the, this is a compelling argument to be banking confirmed. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what, like what possibility were they hoping for then? Because maybe they trade all they had to move up into the top seven. (laughs) Because they weren't trading up to one and may, and it sounds like they loved Bryce young. It sounds like, like maybe that was the guy they really thought that was an earnest possibility that they were going to hey, get Bryce Young. Given like all of the weirdness that the Panthers were were putting out there, right? It's like, oh, we have to, we just decided to trade up to one without even thinking about, you know, which quarterback we like. They just are all good. Who knows? We won't make a decision until we have all of the information. We'll go to all the pro days, really obviously important part of the process. We'll interview all of them four times. We'll send private investigators to each of their families. <laughs> right, like we got, we're, we're gonna dig deep. And hey, they're putting that out there. There's, you know, a five percent, two percent, one percent chance. You know, the Vikings are like, I don't know, Bryce Young might fall. Right, <laughs> like the Vikings could just like. So, so they awesome. they risk letting Cousins walk on the. There's a greater chance year, the Vikings th- signed DeAndre Hopkins than Bryce Young was gonna fall and somehow get scooped co- up by the Vikings. Correct, but the the risk is a lot lower than you think, right? Because they have cousins under contract this year. They've got yeah. an entire year to hold a negotiating window. And it's not like Lamar, right? Cousins has an agent. You can talk to him during the year. Cousins doesn't have to focus on negotiations. One day his agent will just be like, Hey, great news. We negotiated a deal. And cousins is like Cool, I'll sign it, and then I'll go back to my office to study <laughs> film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the Vikings do just kind of take advantage, in, and, and not maliciously, but they just know who they're dealing with. They know that it's not like hardball for Cousins. And I know people make, make a point of how much money he's made. He's, a ruthless, he's, an, he's not a ruthless negotiator. Like, the market has dictated what he's made. I don't think these have been contentious negotiations at all over the years when he's gotten extensions. Like I, I tend to think that he kind of uh, he, his agent handles things like you said. And I think he values continuity 
And he has that right now in Minnesota for the first time. So I'm not sure he's he's super excited to interrupt that and go somewhere new. Is there a bridge quarterback path? Like, does this this franchise hasn't had a bridge quarterback since Matt Castle? Um, options for next year would be Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, perhaps. Um, do like what is the percentage chance that that ends up being the route? It's weird because like Jacoby Brissett is the only one that I like out of all of those options. Like if you'd asked me that a year ago, I would have said, yeah, Ryan Daniel, of course. Now it's Jacoby. Um, Do you see how he played with the Browns? That was outstanding. I I didn't watch a lot of Browns football. I know you watch every game, so you would know better than me. But he, he was genuinely like a pleasure to watch. It just surprised me so much. Why were, so why were they bad? Uh, when Deshaun Watson started? Well, no, when Jacoby Brissett played, he was also bad. No, 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 no. He was like, he was like seventh in EPA per play for a while. Um, no, uh, so a big part of it was that they were very poor in late game situations. I mean, that's just why they started losing games. But mm-hmm. his level of play was was pretty high. The offensive line isn't what it was supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be a top three offensive line. It didn't play like that. Um, but he and Amari Cooper played really well. Nick Chubb played really well. It was primarily an issue of, you know, late games. And you know me, I think late games tend to be more coin flips than anything else. Uh, and a defense that was persistently injured, right? That that didn't have, you know, the capability to keep up. Um, there were some offensive collapses late in games. But again, you know, it's just kind of the, the nature of things. Um, but they got a lot worse once Deshaun Watson started. Deshaun Watson was playing mm-hmm. like a... 31st ranked quarterback and Jacoby Brissett was playing like a top 10 guy. So it was, it was just very, you know, stark. Um, And and, and best ever QBR best over quarterback rating, just to support what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was playing um, some pretty outstanding football. Um, And as a bridge quarterback that you could do a lot worse, right? You could end up with, um, with like last year's Ryan Tannehill, which was just overly disappointing so much that they, benched him for a guy that they didn't even want to play Malik Willis, right? They benched him for, and they were like, Malik Willis mm-hmm. is not ready, but you know, throw him out. Um, and then, and then Mariota, the only reason that Atlanta Falcons offense was ever productive and it was only productive for like the first six or seven games is because of how well Arthur Smith coordinated that offense. Um, and it needed to be a running offense, which is not something Mario has done since college. Obviously at Oregon, he was a very good running quarterback, but they just didn't like him running the ball at Tennessee. Uh, and I kind of understand it. Uh, and, and they needed that to get production. So I, I I'm not huge on Mariota. I just, I, Tannehill, I think it's kind of past his time. So it would be Jacoby Brissett, but that bridge quarterback, um, scenario, I think is an option. And it's kind of the only option given the way the Vikings have talked about all of this where they want to be consistently competitive, that when they build for the future, there's a plan in place right now to win now. That bridge quarterback is kind of, if they're if they're coherent and consistent in their philosophy, and teams might not be, they could just lie, right? That's just, we have to always acknowledge that that's mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm-hmm. But if that is truly their philosophy, they have to get a bridge quarterback, right? Whether it's, we're going to sign Cousins to a two-year extension, draft a first-round quarterback, let that guy sit for two years, or... It's we're going to sign Jacoby Brissett. He's going to be awesome for about a year. Maybe take us into the playoffs if we build the right team around him. I don't know. And then our rookie is going to be ready and ready to go. Right. I think it's really unlikely that they are ever going to want to roll into a season with a rookie quarterback unless they pick that guy number one or number two. Right. Like if we were in a situation where 
the Vi- where Bryce Young falls to three or whatever, and the Vikings trade everything they have, right? They're like, hey, Arizona, do you seem like a team that wants Zadarius Smith? You seem like a team, you know, that wants Dalvin Cook. And hey, we'll take off that DeAndre Hopkins contract for you, just free, gratis, right? Uh, and I bet you could use a bushel of picks for the next three years, right? So if they if they do that and they and they grab Bryce Young, they could probably trade Cousins away and just be comfortable that Bryce Young is going to start right away. But I think most even first round quarterback situations, right? They would want that guy to sit just because their philosophy, again, if they're honest and consistent, their philosophy is such that they want to have a really good shot of making the playoffs every single year. And for that to happen, your quarterback needs to be ready. And you just cannot guarantee that if you're like in an Anthony Richardson situation. The bridge quarterback does open things up for maybe it's, maybe it's Jaron Hall. Maybe it's next year's guy, but that does at least allow for your young quarterback to take over um, in yeah. some circumstance. Yeah. If he, if he just like wins yeah. the camp competition, like if it's, if it's like, yeah, I know we signed Matt Flynn, but Russell Wilson's doing real well in camp, right? Like if it's that situation, you know, yeah. it allows you to do that without feeling too bad without having to pay Matt Flynn money. Which I'm sure, if we looked at the contract now, wouldn't seem so drastic. But of course, in 2012, was pretty substantial. Who who, uh, who did Prescott beat out in that in 2016? What a wonderful question that is. Let's find out. <laughs> because I'm tr- I- I'm trying to think of, and obviously Hall is not going to beat out Cousins this year. But I'm trying to think of middle round quarterbacks that have won a job with no NFL experience. So basically, Hall next year. Is there any precedent for a fifth round pick to start a season as the quarterback with no prior experience? Uh, with no, yeah, as in, as in, as a rookie, right? Because as Sam in, Howell is starting, right? But oh, Sam like, Howell. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um. But uh. But I mean, he sat for a year, and Taylor Heineke was ahead of him. Yeah, um, and that's what I mean with Hall next year. Like Hall will have a okay, year under yeah, his belt. Yeah, that, but would, no priors. To suggest that. that he could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Dak Prescott uh, beat out Tony Romo, but Tony Romo was like too injured. So it didn't really count. Got it. Uh, <laughs> so that was a situation where I don't think they had planned for Prescott to, to start. Uh, and um, and then they were kind of forced to, and it turns out he was actually quite good. Um, but otherwise, like Russell Wilson, you know, third rounder. So, that, I mean, that kind of counts. Um, not quite a third round investment is a little bit more substantial than a fifth round investment, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of a precedent out there. Um, I think what did Tony Romo sit for a year or two before he started? He's undrafted, right? Famously. So, um, yeah, I, that's, it, it would be pretty rare, but it would be a Sam Howell type situation. That that's actually, now that you've pointed out that comparison, that may actually help inform me, in my opinion, and maybe the Vikings, maybe not, probably not at all, because they're really two different people. But if a fifth-round pick can go to Washington and have some measure of success this year, that does maybe take the stigma away from what the Vikings would face next year with Jaron Hall. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, because the commanders have controversially chosen not to really – have any competition for Howell that's meaningful? They, yeah, they were, um, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but very open about um, how much they were not going to challenge Sam Howell. They were just like, yeah, mm-hmm. 
We he played for like two games last year, and on, that's all we needed. What a stud! What a great quarterback this dude is. Um, we're just gonna trust that they did. By the way, if we're speaking about Jacoby Brissett, they did bring Jacoby Brissett in, right? So, um, but it, it, they were mm-hmm. very like, yeah, we're not going to go after Lamar. Why would we go after Lamar Jackson? Who even is that? Uh, we're going to start Sam Howell and, oh, the draft. There are quarterbacks in this year's draft. First time hearing about this. We're going to start Sam Howell. Like it was very like, this is, this is what's happening. The Aegon face potential is just magnificent. Be yeah. Washington. Yeah. <laughs> a place that has uh, really an infallible reputation. <laughs> Just a strong history of success on and off the field. Uh, Locked on Sports Minnesota is partnered with Sirius XM. You can hear our programming on the Sirius XM app and also all the games of all the local teams, including the Twins, who play at Houston tonight. Big win yesterday, trying to string something together tonight. 7.10 p.m. first pitch here at Corey Provis. And the gang, the whole, whole uh, every pitch of the hometown broadcast on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Uh, in closing, Arif, OTAs continue today. I'll be out there at the practice field at TCO tweeting at Sam Ekstrom. Uh, what do you want to hear? What do you want to hear come out of TCO today, Arif? What uh, What are you watching for? Um. Well, I want to. I want to know what's happening in the defensive back group generally. Right? Is Lewis seen? taking first team reps, you know, OTAs, it's not like watching training camp where like the reps matter a lot, but you know, there is still a, a first team, second team and so on. So is Lucene taking reps? Where does Jay Ward fit in? How many safeties are we seeing on the field on a consistent basis? Because one of the things about this group is that it's got a very, very versatile defensive back group, whether it's Jay Ward or Cameron Bynum, who got the ability to play in the slot. You've got Lewis Seen, who's probably better suited as a strong safety, but so is Harrison Smith. And they can they can both play free safety just fine. So what's going to happen there, right? Uh, the report's coming out of camp right now, um, or camp OTAs right now, um, are interesting with regards to the way that the Vikings defense is set up, right? Because they the, the offense is talking about how intense it was and how they're throwing looks out there on the first day of OTAs, an install that that you wouldn't see until 15 days into training camp, much less OTAs. And who knows, right? You know, all OTA storylines are, you know, not baked, not fully baked yet, right? Like they're just mm-hmm. not... They're not quite there and seeing like, oh, it's a multiple defense out on OT. Like, who knows if that's like a real thing. But the way the players have responded to it, at least according to the stories I've read over at the Pioneer Press and The Athletic, um, you know, follow Dane Mitsutani and Alec Lewis, wonderful writers. Um, and Sam's all right, too. Um, you know, the story's coming out. All right. The, all right. You know, is that these offensive players are flabbergasted, genuinely stunned by how advanced the defense was on day one. And I am going to believe that for now. I'm going to believe, right? Because I've been to a number of OTAs. Those defenses don't look complex. And that's not just because I, I, you know, it's not just because I watched like last year's Ed Donatel defense. I've been through a number of Vikings defenses, including fam- famously complex Mike Zimmer defenses. And the first day of OTAs does not show anything interesting. Maybe they line up a couple of people at the line of scrimmage a little bit more than usual. But it, it tends to be fairly vanilla. So the fact that it's not as at least 
interesting. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It could be a bad thing, right? It might be important to to install the fundamentals, have you know the basics down before you start overcomplicating things and overwhelming your players, right? That was the problem with the 2020 defense, right? Is that they overwhelmed the players with the complexity of the defense. Also, the players were not very good. Those are both important problems to point out. But um, you know the the miscommunication errors were pretty substantial in 2020, um, up until basically midway through the season. Um, so is, is it an overly complicated defense or is Brian Flores doing something like really interesting about the way that he's communicating this defense? So I want to see how that storyline progresses. I also want to see if they're already installing, you know, a lot of play action on offense, because one of the things that Kevin O'Connell has talked about is how they, they just didn't get, they didn't get to play action as often as they wanted to. And gee, how can you do that? Right. And so they invested in the running game to make sure that they could do that. I'm not convinced that that's a necessity, but he is the coach. I'm not. Um, but, you know, how how many times are we seeing two tight ends? How many times are we seeing one tight end, but two running backs? What what does that offense look like? Is it actually going to be an offense that, you know, has that many two receiver scenarios where you've only got two on the field? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it sounded like neither Justin Jefferson nor Jordan Addison were on the field um, last time. I don't know what that situation is going to look like this time. But if they aren't, you know, who's taking those reps? Because it sounded like um, uh, Jalen Naylor was out there with KJ Osborne. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to continue? So, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, what does the depth chart look like kind of things. But like the ways that this team is supposed to change, right? The back end of the defense, the kind of structure of the offense. Those are the, way, those are the things that I want to see, like how it evolves based off of kind of what our expectations are and whether or not they've been spending all off season just, you know, selling us a bridge. Get ready for the stories after, if we see more defensive complexity, get ready for the stories. The defense is ahead of the offense at this stage of the off season. The defense is winning these practices um, because they were sticky. They were aggressive last week. They were shutting down receivers, cutting off passing lanes. Um, I, I thought they looked, they looked, like they were playing at a faster pace, even though the offense has much more reason to be looking faster. It's one practice, right? One practice. We'll see what happens today. Maybe O'Connell will adapt and uh, and hit the defense with a little something extra. Well, and also, of his own. what what receivers were they sticking to? It seems like that is a critical component of this of this particular equation. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to slander Jalen Naylor. He was, he was making plays out there. Um, if anything, well, see, it sounds uh, like the defense was pretty sticky. Yeah. Well, they were sticky. <laughs> he made catches in traffic, so they were sticky. Oh, they both looked good. They, they were, were both. Everybody good. looked great. You know, <laughs> the receivers' morale is up, but the coverage was sound. Everybody was Josh Robinson. <laughs> Mike Hughes. Um. All right. Well, we'll watch for those things. You can follow along on my Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. You can follow Arif Hassan's work covering the National Football League at ProFootballNetwork.com. And he'll be back on Thursday with Luke Braun and Luke Inman. We'll also have Reggie Wilson on tomorrow's show to break down the purple and talk about what we saw today at OTAs. You can find videos of press conferences from OTAs at the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Get all of our shows and those Vikings pressers. Uh, Thanks so much, Arif. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.